welcome to another episode of Round 4 Brackets. You have joined in for a very special episode today. This is our third annual Halloween Movie Bracket Show. Like the previous two seasons, we picked 16 of the spookiest, scariest, and hauntingly fun thrillers to give fun facts, trivia, hot takes, and finally have face-off bracket style to determine which is the best overall. If you're expecting to find classic thrillers like Jaws, Psycho, Silence of the Lambs, The Exorcist, and others, you'll be sorely tricked. Those fine treats were on other brackets in our previous Halloween shows. Go back and find those Halloween films on our earlier episodes in Round 4 Brackets on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and Apple Play. This bracket finds 16 more films that we were honestly too terrified to add until now. Psychological thrillers and films so scary, you find excuses to not watch them alone or in the dark. Oh shit, there's a mouse. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> oh darn it, I'm sorry. Hon. I am one of your hosts, Daredevil Scott Barnes, sentenced to an early grave and sleeping alone on the couch until next Halloween for scaring his poor wife, Mercy Warren. Speaking of whom, Mercy Warren is a distant relative of Nanny Doss, a.k.a. the the Lonely Hearts Killer. She confessed to killing four of her husbands and 11 people overall in Alabama. She was actually given a medal by the governor for making Alabama a better place to live. Next, we have Mrs. Lawson, a diabolical mistress who makes sure dead men continue to tell no tales. Legend has it that she cooks with the tears of New York Jets fans, the burnt jerseys of Yankee fans, and fuels the dumpster fires started by Knicks fans. I guess her overall message is New York sports suck. Finally, we have old Mr. Lawson. There's an ancient urban legend, rhyme, that's connected to him, and it goes a little something like this. Now sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny. If I sing one more lyric, we'll have to pay for the rights of the song, so I'm going to stop myself there. Now, I'm not accusing Mr. Lawson of marooning the SS Minnow and, do and dooming all those poor people, but any time I ask him where he was in Hawaii on that fateful day, September 26, 1964, he conveniently doesn't have an answer. What's with that, Mr. Lawson? Thank you all for being here with us again, and those of you that have stuck around from all my intros over this special and the other two Halloween specials. We have 16 great films for you horror fans out there. A lot of newer movies, but also some classics. A lot more of the traditional films may have already been on our previous brackets and shows. I definitely recommend going back and checking those out during this, during this spooky season. With that said, let's get into the episode. First up, we have film number one versus film number two. Film number one, Jeepers Creepers versus The Green Room. So Jeepers Creepers came out in 2001, starring Gina Phillips, Justin Long, Jonathan Burke, Breck, and Patricia Belcher. So, fun fact, this was Justin Long's first leading role in a film. He was 22 at the time. At the end of the film, when the creeper creature has Derry's eyes, it was actually Justin Long in full makeup. And also, according to him, uh, during that one scene at the beginning, he had to he really had to pee when they were outside the car by the tree. In the So, that he did. He just did. He decided I had to pee, so I peed, and they filmed it. 
Film number two is The Green Room, which came out in 2015, starring Anton Yelchin, Imogene Poots, Aaliyah Shakat, 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 and Sir Patrick Stewart. So, sadly, this was Anton Yelchin's last movie to be released before his death on June 19, 2016. So, sad fact about that, but kind of fun fact here, Patrick Stewart said that after he read the script for the movie, it scared him so badly he locked his house, turned on his security system, and poured himself a glass of scotch and hid in his bed. So, <laughs> those are my intros. Those are my fun facts. Everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you. As always, thank you for the fun intro. Thank you for having us. Mr. Lawson's going to join us a little later, so you get Mrs. Lawson. Yay! The better of the two duos, I will say. Oh, at least <laughs> of the looking. <laughs> Definitely. And also a special shout out to our VIP listener, Mr. 1032. Uh, we keep growing our listeners and uh, very happy to have him uh First time VIP on this show, and hopefully his uh, t- his his movies that he ranked for us will come into play here in a big way. So thank you, Mister Ten Thirty Two. He is a new listener. Yes, brand new listener. Oh well, welcome to the show, yes. to the pod. Yep. <laughs> welcome, Mister Ten Thirty Two. All right, so Mercy Warren, give us your uh, your opinions on Jeepers Creepers versus Green Room. Of course, as always, glad to be here. This is our first time in a while. We haven't been able to do it in person. So I look forward to doing our next episodes together. But it's always nice to see you guys, even if it's over a computer screen. Jeepers Creepers is one of the movies on this bracket that actually left me feeling unnerved and unsettled after watching it. Because, like, there was parts of it that seemed almost too, like, cheesy and gimmicky that it was, like, almost borderline funny in places. And it's also one of those horror movies where you question the... I question Justin Long's decision-making. I mean, I get caring about people, but the second you saw him, like, dumping people into that, like, dumping people down, he should have not... Yeah, yeah, he should have just been like, I'm gonna go in there. You're just like, run away. No, this is why every horror movie dies, because they make such bad life choices. (laughs) Yeah. They, like, literally have no sense of self-preservation. But at the end, I don't know why I had this sense of hope that I thought they were going to get out. So when they do, like, that Jeepers Creepers song, and it's just Justin Long's, like, head, he puts the eyes. I was just unnerved. I actually had to watch He's Just Not That Into You, because that's, like, a more happier Justin Long movie, where he gets, like, a happier ending just to, like, make me feel better for some reason. He, he has such a wide array of he does. movies. Like I said, I was just unnerved because I thought that he was, it was all going to be okay. And then, like... You hear him screaming like, and no, then but, it's just Yeah, <laughs> like, that unnerved me at the end because I wasn't I was expecting them to go save him or something. So that I, was a very fun fact about the makeup because, like, yeah. you just think that's just, like, a fake head. And I would never think that was him just in, like, full makeup. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. was a fun fact. And Green Room, like, I disagree with Sir Patrick Stewart. I wasn't necessarily scared during that movie. And another reason, like, why, if they when they found out what kind of club it was, why did they play all those, like, songs? Why did they just leave? So once again, that's a situation that could have totally been avoided. And not going back in the room when they said not to, so. And, I mean, I felt like they just made it grotesque for, like, the, just the sake of doing it, when it didn't really lead much to the, lend much to the storyline. So, Green Room was not my favorite movie. 
Yeah, that's kind of how we felt, too, about it. And this was, like, our first time watching both of these. Mm-hmm. We'd actually never seen Jeepers Creepers or Green Room. So, usually Mr. Lawson, if you're new to the podcast, Mr. Lawson usually gives the budget and the box office numbers. So, so Jeepers Creepers had a budget of $10 million and made $59 million at the box office. And Green Room had a budget of $5 million and only made $4 million at the box office. So it actually lost money. Sorry, Sir Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Well, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah, I think he'll survive. Yeah. Unlike Anton Yeltsin. Oh, that was actually mean. That, that was a bad taste. I apologize. His, his memory lives on. He's a RIP in Green Room. Yeah. And he survived in Green Room, too. So good for him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know Spoiler. if anyone was going to mention this about Jeepers Creepers, but it is loosely based on a true story, isn't it? Kind of, sort of. Kind it was. Of. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to explain it or did you? I was only going to explain it, but basically, like, the beginning part where the couple sees him, like, dumping bodies, yeah. they that actually happened, right. and then, like, the guy chasing them on the road. Yeah. I think that's all that is based on a true story. I'm not really sure. If you want to elaborate. Well, that, no, that was pretty much it. It was just, it was something that the writer or director heard in the news and saw. And then he kind of just pulled the rest of it out to make it more supernatural. But yeah, that that part was, I mean, technically with that kind of stuff, you can stretch it a bit and go based on a true story. I don't know if, I can't remember if they did that or not, but it's it's always, it's a, one of those things you take with a grain of salt because... There's obviously no creeper. Yeah, no, there's nothing like that. And it's found a bunch of uh, spinoffs. I, I kind of, actually, I think I like the second one better than the first one, but it did make a lot of sense to have that one on before the first one. And I thought Justin Long did a really great job asking that. I thought so, too. But I, we both enjoyed Jeepers Creepers. Um, we have found watching movies on this bracket that we have more of a favorite kind of horror movie than others. Um, so, like, maybe, like, the suspenseful type of horror. Like, they're not so movies that are scary, but then, like, some that are not so scary, more mm-hmm. suspenseful, and those are the ones that we gravitate more towards. So this wasn't too scary for us to watch, because this isn't, like, as Miss, as Marcy would say, not, like, our cup of tea. <laughs> but Mr. Lawson made some notes that I kind of agree on. He was like, why drive, like, a beat-up van if you can, like, fly? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, it's for the bodies. You need to put the bodies yeah. somewhere. Well, he, he, Plus got... he was check- testing to see if he could smell their fear, I think. So he was trying to be well, scared. He, he kind of proved right. at the end, though, that, like, after he flew away with Justin Long's character, Derry, so he didn't need the van to carry the bodies because he was, like, super strong and can carry the bodies off on his own, so... Yeah, I see what you mean, though. Like, why do you need the man? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thought it kind of took the suspense and, like, the fear out of it. Because you Mm -hmm. see the guy from, like, the very beginning. You see him and, like, you see what he's doing and, like, the suspicion of it. So it kind of, like, it tells the story a little early in the film. Mm -hmm. That was another note that we made. It was kind of, like... Like, oh, this is the scary guy. Like, yeah. it doesn't really leave suspense as to who's doing this. But we enjoy, uh, 
I thought the acting was good for like a a good horror movie. Um, and then Green Room, a little different for us. It's not it's not my favorite kind of horror movie. Like it was very intense, very gory. Those are just like like I don't really enjoy like the Saw franchise. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like reminded. It didn't remind me of that, but just like the amount of gore. That was yeah. yeah. Like Mercy said, kind of not necessary. Yeah. You know, it was a movie that we don't usually watch. So. <laughs> All right. So as we get into voting here, Jeepers Creepers versus Green Room. Um, I think personally, if Jeepers Creepers would have just kept along the route of just having this weird guy in a van dummy bodies to stalk these two people throughout the whole movie, I think that would have been better than adding a supernatural aspect into it. Because then you needed that lady to come in and just go like, no, this is it. And it's every 23 years. And I'm having dreams to explain this and that. And it just kind of, for me, that was like the part of the movie where just kind of got ridiculous. It's like, I think if he would have just been done, like, I, I just kind of imagine a scene where if he would have just been as a scarecrow and just creeping him out and spying him on that part, and it was just a normal guy doing that, that would have been really, uh, I think it was a huge missed opportunity. Uh, but overall, having said that, I will still give my vote to Jeepers Creepers over Green Room. Green Room was intense, but it wasn't very scary. It was just more gory. So in this round, anyway, my vote goes towards Jeepers Creepers. As far as movies that scared me, Jeepers Creepers definitely scared me more. Like I said, I was anticipating that it was gonna, they were going to save him and it was going to end all like happy and hunky-dory, and it didn't. It, so the end really shocked me, and like I said, I actually left, like, after that movie, I was actually bothered by it a little bit. Whereas Graham, it was just kind of gross in places, but I really didn't have any emotional impact to the movie whatsoever. So I'm going to go with Jeepers Creepers as well. Yeah, I think for both of us, Jeepers Creepers gets our vote. Uh, just, like, enjoyed the movie a little bit more than Green Room, I would say. Alright, yeah, so Jeepers Creepers moves on and moves into the next round. Ah. <laughs> ah, these legends! What's happening over there? There we go, now we got our sound bite. <laughs> Alright, so Jeepers Creepers moves on into the next round. And we brings us on to films number three and four. Number three is I Know What You Did Last Summer. And that goes up against number four, the 1976 classic, The Omen. So I Know What You Did Last Summer came out in 1997, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Anne Heche, Ryan Philippe, Freddie Prince Jr. Also, Johnny Galecki is in there as Max. Yeah. So he played the tough guy. I like that, too. How can you take him seriously, though? <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's just known as a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jennifer Love Hewitt appeared in 1997's House Arrest with Jamie Lee Curtis, who was surprised to find her filming a movie nearby in North Carolina at the same time. It was probably Nic- Nicholas's Gift, I think it was, when I was looking it up. So, I think that was filmed around that time. Um, the two actresses would meet up every day after filming their respective movies to say hello and give each other a hug. Aww. Yeah. All right, and it goes against number four, The Omen, which came out in 1976, starring Gregory Peck. Lee Remick played Damien, the boy, uh, Harvey Stevens, and David Warner. So the biggest problem was shooting The Omen and the movie overall and shooting the ominous Rottweiler, a.k.a. Mrs. Balick's dog, was that it was nothing like it was supposed to be in the film. The dog wanted to be petted, play and lick all of its co-stars instead of threatening and biting them. So, 
That was the hardest time. They said they said the kid that played Damien was a little terror also. For the most part, they said the dog would just not cooperate because it was too friendly. The kid was a terror? Is that what you said? Yeah, they they said that, I think it was like during the casting part, the uh, director told the kid to come at me and like you're trying to kill me. And the kid tried to kill him, like legit was like biting, scratching, like a a little terror. And then I guess like, yeah, he was a little brat, I guess, the whole time too, like running around being uncooperative. Um, But they did say it was harder to film the dog than it was to film Damien. (laughs) All right, Mercy Warren. So, I actually really liked both of these movies. I know what you did last summer. I've heard of it, and I'm familiar with all of those actresses and actors, but I've never seen it. And I actually liked it. It's your normal, like, slasher Halloween movie, I guess, would be the best way to put it. It's a bunch of teenagers. The twist at the end where they never actually killed anybody, and it was the girl's dad. Like, I think that was pretty clever. Like I said, I just could not take Johnny Galecki seriously in this movie, like, with the tough guy act, simply because I have seen Big Bang Theory, and he doesn't really exude that tough guy energy on that show. (laughs) I mean, I liked that movie. And The Omen, so this was my pick. I've never seen it before. The main reasons I picked it were because it's a classic movie, and I do like older movies, and it had Gregory Peck in it, but it didn't feel like a scary movie, though. Like, there was definitely that scary, like, exorcist, like, possession type situation going on. Yeah. I mean, I wrote that same note down, too. Yeah, it didn't seem like a scary, like, the exorcist had, like, that was on our last year's bracket. It was definitely, like, more of a scary movie that had the possession. Like, that, um, the nanny was really weird, and I feel like they were both really bad parents. (laughs) They just let this woman show up and start, like, taking care of their child out of nowhere. Plus, the dad accepting, like, a substitute child after the other child died is just and never abhorrent. And telling, never telling... Yeah. Wait, the mom the mom never knew, right? No, no. the mom never knew. Yeah. So, Gregory Peck was, was like, sure, this is our baby. Even though it was complete, it was all, you find it out that it was all, like, orchestrated to be that way. Like, they killed the baby and... And then I she think did, I would be mad at my husband forever. Like, I mean, she actually happens. I mean, she doesn't get a chance to find out. And then when he's trying to make everything right and set, trying to sacrifice Damien, it just looks like he's trying to sacrifice a child, like kill a child, because nobody yeah. knows the context. So it's like it just looks. Yeah, because the priest already yeah. was done by then. Yeah. So at the end, you literally just see. That little boy's like little demonic look and like he's with the president too. It's like part of the bigger yeah, plan. And, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it leaves you with that just like like ugh feeling. Exactly. Like like ugh in a good way. Like ah, uh, come on. <laughs> One thing I want to say really quick to another kind of fun fact is that it, when you watch the very end of that movie and he turns around and looks at the camera, that face that the kid, the actor the actor has right before they film that. The director went up to him and said, listen, I'm going to, like, you're like you're going to be in big, big trouble if you laugh. If I see you laughing, we're going to kick you off the film and you're out of here. And so you see the kid naturally trying not to laugh. And they got oh, that look. Right. Yeah. So they got the look out of him that was perfect for him. He's kind of like that smug little smile. He's like him. a smirk. Yeah. Because yeah. that's him trying not to laugh, which is, I think was really, really clever and funny. Reverse yeah. psychology. Yep, exactly. Reverse psychology. Okay. Yeah, that was, like, all of our... I don't know. I feel like we're having the same feelings about these movies. <laughs> I'll give the budget box office. So I know what you did last summer. 
the first one, had a $17 million budget and made $125 million at the box office. I mean, you have all those hot people, like, (laughs) all those young girls are going to go see that movie. The Omen had a $3 million budget and made $61 million at the box office. That's really good, yeah. Both winners. But yeah, I... I liked the mystery part of, I know what you did last summer too, like it kind of, like the twist of how the dad killed the boy, like you thought he like committed suicide, but it, mm-hmm. then you see like the same handwriting and the note as you do in like the notes that the kids are getting. I thought that was a good twist for like a, like a high school slasher, you know, like your typical like slasher movie. I just thought like the storyline was pretty good. I agree. That's what Mr. Lawson, he said, generic slasher movie with hot girls. (laughs) That was his note. (laughs) I mean, they just pretty much picked people that were very popular at that point in time. I know. I don't know if Cruel Intentions had come out by then. But that also had Sarah Michelle Gellar and oh, yeah. Brian Phillippe in it. So I feel like, like mm-hmm. you know, they knew what they were doing when they did the casting. Oh, yeah. Um, but, so, but, you know, I saw this movie when I was younger. And probably like a sleepover. Mm-hmm. And then watching it again. I, I mean, I, I, gen- it was, I think this was my pick, putting it on the bracket. So I, I genuinely like this movie. Um, and then the Omen, this was our first time watching this. We hadn't seen the old one or the newer one that came out was like Liam, is it Liam Neeson that did like the remake? Of which one? Not sure. Oh, man. For the Omen? Honestly, oh, I don't I think don't I knew there was a remake. Yeah, so. there was. It was like it came out in 2006 and I haven't seen it. But I, I heard. Liam Neeson is in it. I'm not. Don't don't quote me in that. But we hadn't seen either one. Um, I heard it was like a shot for shot remake, though. So. Yeah, um, but watching it, we like. Is it, uh, Mr. Lawson noted that this won an Oscar for the movie. I'm not sure in what. Yeah, I think I saw that too. Because a lot of people liked it a lot better because after The Exorcist came out, people were really disturbed and put off by it. And so The Omen came out and they liked it a lot better because it didn't have like that disturbing factor, I think. It was gross. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. as unsettling. Like it still got the point across, but yeah. it wasn't as like disturbing. Right. Most people yeah. were like, I like that better. Still unset. Like I thought the ending was kind of unsettling. I mean,. I don't know. I, I like my movies like wrapped up in a little bow. That's just how yeah. I am. But, I feel like you can't you know, make a movie about like demonic possession without like a certain amount of unsettling, though. I know. I feel like there's yeah. no way to do that and like put it on the Hallmark Channel. Like I feel like there's no way to do that. <laughs> Could you imagine like a Hallmark Christmas movie? It was like a <laughs> like a horror Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh like a Hallmark God. horror movie. It won for best original score. Oh, it had a it had a good soundtrack. It was a very good yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, it did have good music, a good soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, that the actress was legitimately scared during the balcony scene. Oh yeah, there was a reason for that because uh, am I stealing his fun factor? I don't. know. No, that's all he. I, I 
I'm sorry, he can't elaborate, but go ahead, Scott. Well, yeah, no, because it was actually as a precedent for that, because during, um, I think it was during The Exorcist, I could be wrong, maybe a different movie, um, an actor, an actress who thought that they were safe when they fell or something, they got knocked out of a window or something, mm-hmm. um, they actually legitimately got hurt and had, uh, had like, a, a crippling like effect from that stunt for the rest of their lives. So they were afraid of that happening again with um, the exorcist, with the actors falling off the balcony. So they had to go to elaborate lengths to make sure that it was like, it was filmed like when she was falling, she wasn't actually really falling. She was actually already on the ground, but they used like an optical illusion to make it look like she was falling. And she, okay. when she, yeah, the banister was placed like three feet off the ground. So um, yeah, there was a legitimate uh, scare with that because of a previous incident it's okay yeah we didn't yeah we just didn't know the backstory of that yeah. but we saw that she was legitimately scared about during that scene yeah. but but yeah same as mercy said it just kind of gave you like an ex exorcist type of feel but not as uh not as like yucky yeah i would say they 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 censored it pretty heavily. They couldn't show with a decapitation scene. They couldn't show any blood. So if you look closely, you'll see like this bottle of red wine that gets spilled instead, which is supposed to represent the blood. <laughs> with the gla- with the glass. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and and excuse me. So that um that was there. I, I thought it was really creative how they did that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it's very like the the year that it came out for mm-hmm. sure. I agree. Yeah. So as we get into voting here. Um, this is actually a closer vote than I would have thought. I know what you did last summer. I had seen it once, maybe when I was younger, and I didn't really think much of it. I I always more I, I always got it mixed up with like the spoof of like scary movie, you know, the comedy and how they spoofed it. And so I kind of always based it on that. But giving it a fair shot this time, I thought I know what you did last summer was actually better and less campy and cheesy than I had remembered it or thought it was going to be. But my vote's still going to go towards The Omen. It was just Gregory Peck. You can tell he was getting up there in age. And one of the other sad things was, is he agreed that they, they were nervous about him accepting the role because his son, I think who was 17 at the time, um, actually committed suicide. They knew that going in. So it was a real heavy emotional role for him because he had actually just lost his son in real life less than a year before filming this movie. So he went in there and I think you can almost kind of see the heaviness that his character has of killing this boy. And, you know, trying to come to grips, like, this might be the Antichrist and all the signs are there, and he figures it out, but it's still, you know, it, it's, I think that lends more to the performance of the movie, and probably not a lot of people knew about that at the time either. Not just for that reason, but overall, my vote's going to go towards the Omen. So, I agree with what Scott said. I know what you did last summer was actually a lot better than what I was expecting it for it to be. And the Omen, I actually also really did enjoy, so it's kind of hard for me to make a pick here. Just because I actually genuinely liked both of these movies, even though horror movies are still not, like, my cup of tea, I actually was able to be invested in both of these. But I think I'm going to go with The Omen. Oh, look who's here. So, um, I will do my vote, and then Mr. Lawson is going to join us in a minute. Hold on. So, like Mercy said, I actually genuinely enjoyed both of these movies they're the kind of slasher movies really aren't my favorite but this was like an okay slasher movie it wasn't too scary but i am gonna throw let me make this interesting i'll throw a vote for i know what you did last summer hello everyone mr lawson welcome to the show yeah thank you sorry i was uh 
I was late, but I was caught up by a cult. And uh, I managed to escape somehow. First it was a neo-Nazi cult, then it became a cult in Sweden. and uh, But then some omen brought me back to the podcast. Uh, so. uh, Mr. Lawson, waiting on bated breath, what is your pick? The omen versus... I know you did last summer. I don't think it's even close. I think the omen's a great movie. Love the love the vibe, love the score. Uh, great acting compared to No I Did Last Summer, which is just basically a pretty standard hot teens being chased by someone moving. Alright, fair enough. Well said, Mr. Lawson. Welcome back to the show, and I look forward to hearing your reaction after you hear uh, the info that we had for you later. So number five sees Hereditary going up against number six, Midsummer. So Hereditary came out in 2018, starring Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne. So, actress Tony Collette called director Ari Estier the most prepared director she ever met. He had biographies printed out for every character, scene, locations, and dialogue planned up to two years in advance, and shot the whole movie in only 32 days. Esther also wanted to go for scares that were emotionally justified rather than traditional jump scares. And I think with Hereditary, they actually pulled that off. And it goes up against number six, Midsummer which came out in 2019, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Raynor, Wilhelm Blomgren, William Jackson, and Will Poulter. When the film released in Sweden, the audience there mostly laughed, and the film was praised as a dark comedy. Many of the depictions of the acts in the film are from Swedish folklore and customs and old beliefs, which most Swedish citizens wouldn't take seriously, but they didn't know about. And also, actually, most of the film was filmed in Hungary, not Sweden. Fun fact. That is. So I also didn't need, I didn't know when we put these up against each other because we hadn't seen the, the either of these films yet. They were actually by the same director. So I think... Uh, yeah, our, they're both A24. Yep. So that was kind of just a random fact here that those went up against each other. And I saw a lot of similarities between the two of them. I did as well. Yeah. So Mercy Warren, films number five and six. Both of these weird movies were... I just found them weird. <laughs> so Hereditary, um, my sister actually told me about it a couple years ago. She said it was the scariest movie she's ever seen. I didn't really get the scariest movie ever seen part, especially since she ruined the most shocking part of that entire movie when um, she sticks her head out of the car window and she gets her head chopped off. Since I knew that was going to happen, I felt I, like I wasn't shocked by it. Like I feel like if I didn't know it was going to happen, I would have been shocked. Yeah, I didn't see it coming, actually. I was surprised they killed her off that soon in the movie. Once again, bad parenting. Like, <laughs> letting this child go to, like... Well, I guess he lied about where he was going. So, like, I mean, maybe she thought it was, like, a school event or something, not, like, a random house party, but, like, irresponsible bringing that kid there in the first place. But then, that, like I said, it just got weirder and weirder, especially when, like, the mom with the sleepwalking and the dead headless body in the, in the attic. Yeah. And then all the naked people. So both of these movies had naked, both of these movies had, like, old naked people. Yes. Just randomly standing around. Yeah, that's right. So this actor, this director must like old naked people for some reason. And then the guy became the king at the end. It was just a weird movie. Like and that's how it ends. I feel like it just yes. ends so abruptly. Yeah, and it ends in like I feel like the same with Midsummer. It just ends 
where it was with one of the main characters becoming like accepting that they're evil now. That's number one thing I do have to say about it is the scenery was really pretty. Like it was just like so like bright and like beautiful. And do like a good flower crown. Yes. Yes, it was just like the storyline got progressively weirder as the movie went on, starting with when they turn 72, they commit suicide, and then, like, the rituals, and that one scene where they're making a baby, and, yeah, that, it just got weird, but, <laughs> so, that's basically my sum up on those movies, they were just, I'm not saying they weren't good, maybe I'm just not the intended audience, because, like I said, I just thought they were kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I did like Midsummer more than Hereditary. I, I just found Hereditary kind of a little too creepy for me. Um, but Midsummer, I just found like super interesting. I guess like from all of like just I saw a theory about how like the dust have they pull in like elements from the earth to represent like the people's dust, and I just think it. It had, like, a lot of thought put into it. I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll elaborate if you guys want me to. Like, Please. The, one, the one guy, like, so the guy that they stuff with hay. Yes. Like, he represents fire. Huh. Like, at the end, when when they're all in, like, that little hut thing. Yeah. Che- cheaty, a.k.a. AKA I, so, if you watch The Good Place, yeah, that's, like, Cheaty. Um, the guy who tries to steal, like, the cult secrets for his, like, thesis, he, like, you see his leg in, like, the dirt. Like, he represents the earth. And then the guy who's, like, cut open and floating in the air, he represents air. And then the girl who, like, is drowned at the end, like, you see her, like, wheelbarrowed into the thing, she, like, represents water. So I just found it, like, kind of interesting that they, like, pulled all of these ideas, like, into their deaths. What about the bear? Like, the guy in the bear, does that mean anything? No, I don't know about the... I was confused about the bear guy, because I don't know why they put him in... I must have missed I don't know why they put him in a bear suit, like, an actual bear. I'm not really sure. Has to, I don't know. I just found that like super interesting that they just kind of like mm-hmm. put that kind of thought into it. But I I enjoyed the movie. It I, it kind of um was just kind of like a different horror movie. Yeah. And the fact that like this girl, like she has no fan, like it was kind of like that the Peely character, like he knew that she was gonna become the Midsummer Queen because she had like no family back home. She had like nothing to lose basically at that point. It's like he kind of like predicted that she was gonna become this like Midsummer Queen. So, but anyways, I don't know. I I kind of enjoyed it. It kind of it was just kind of interesting to me. And like I said, it was a beautiful movie, and like like most horror movies are like dark, and like you have that like dark camera angle this was very like light bright and airy i felt like so i did appreciate the change in tone from a different horror movie i agree with you on the tone i'll give you the box office something real quick so hereditary excuse me made 89 million dollars at the box office only a 10 million dollar budget so it's pretty successful midsummer had a 48 million dollar 
made $48 million at the box office and only a $10 million budget. So both movies successful. I would say Hereditary more successful. To me, I thought Hereditary was pretty scary. It was just creepy the entire time. You know, a lot of, a lot of horror movies, like, it starts off kind of, like, happy. Like, that's not how Hereditary started. Like, it started off kind of, you were kind of, like, in suspense. At least I was, like, for the whole movie. Like, there wasn't a lot of, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, break time where they were, like, explaining what's going on. Like, it was just kind of like, you're like, oh, my God, like, what is going on here? That was kind of my feeling, like, the entire movie, which I find scarier to me than the Midsummer because Midsummer, I just don't, it's almost like a situation, like, you'd never find yourself in. It's like, that's not something I'm, I'm ever going to, like, Hereditary is just, like, a relative dies, and, like, you don't really know that relative's background and that, that that whole history just comes back to like mess with you and your entire family. I mean, that's just a, I don't know. I found that as ridiculous as that is too, that just seemed more like relatable. Midsummer almost felt like a feminist kind of horror movie where like the women survive in the end and they kill off the guys. Like they kind of, to me, they act like these guys are like horrible. Like, Oh, you peed on a tree. So now you have to die. You know, it's like, oh, well, you're stealing a thesis for, you know, that it's like, it's almost like they like, like, well, we're going to justify killing these people because like, they're kind of crappy, but nowhere, like their actions don't justify getting killed to me at all. So I don't know. I kind of thought that was kind of ridiculous about the movie. Yeah. Like, did I, I don't know, the basic, the guy in the bear suit, did I want him to be like drugged and like raped basically? No, not really. I don't think he deserved that. I mean, he was kind of a dick, but no, he did not deserve that. He was. I mean, nobody deserves that. (laughs) Yeah, it just seemed like they just kind of like this, just, they were almost like the movie was justifying killing off people. And it was like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I agree with Mr. Lawson, actually, almost on every point there about Midsummer. I mean, because yeah. Anytime with a movie like that where you have to go look up so many facts on your own to figure out what was going on, it's not like that great of a it, and not that it wasn't a good movie. It was it was a, it was a good movie, but yeah, that kind of frustrated me. And he nailed it too. Like a lot of those people, like the you know the guy was in a relationship with this girl who I mean this is where we're probably going to differate on things, but she was it sounded like she was pretty needy. And even before what happened to her family happened, you know, in midsummer. That was still, I mean, you're, you're together for a couple years at that point. A guy has a right to leave a relationship if he doesn't feel it's going anywhere. Yeah. Well, then don't stay with her out of pity. Exactly. Well, he was kind of forced to, though. Yeah. I mean, how well, can you leave? A girl, like, just lost her sister and her parents. How do you, like, you can't leave her after that. I mean, like, that's just, like, that. that's a real, it shows that well, he wasn't a jerk. He's the one that wanted to go on this trip. Well, he yeah. was going along with her. I mean, that was right. planned before they went, the, the thing happened. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he also didn't really tell her about it ahead of time. And, I mean, oh, the, yeah. and then the one guy, like, I think he had this all orchestrated in his brain to begin with, like, but even then so many things have to go right for that because the people like in sweden didn't seem to know they were coming so what if those british the british couple wasn't there too i mean like and then like they didn't really do anything wrong either so like were they going to kill them no matter what did they ever have a yeah. chance i think they i think they were because yeah, they too. they were just so freaked out by like the people jumping off cliffs that they just wanted to leave so right. i think they were like it was inevitable that they were going to die. 
Yeah, I mean, no, that, he, guy knew, that guy knew exactly. What he, oh, he did. He did, yeah, and and I'm sure he he had a thing for Florence Pugh or whatever. But I mean, it's still it's just too many things that like, what if they what if they decided like, hey, you know, my girlfriend's family just died. I don't think we're gonna make it. Like, what would have happened then? I yeah, mean, for that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just too many things that had, it was like this happened because that happened. They, oh. So as we get into voting here, um, I also agree with Mr. Lawson about hereditary. I thought that it was, it was good the whole way through. I mean, it was, I, I was caught off guard by some of the twists. Like, um, I mean, I thought the ending was kind of confusing. Not confusing, but just more so like, where did that come from? Because it, just, it came out of nowhere with the cult and all that and the treehouse. And, but I mean, it was spooky and it was like, it made my skin tingle and my hair on the back of my head stand out. Yeah. To me, of all the movies, like, I, I would not watch that by myself. Yeah. Like, that, that's like, a, it like kind of messes with you a little bit. I, I think that, you know, the way they said that Ari Aster, the director, he put so much work into that film. I think it really showed. I mean, like, there was there was almost no part of that movie where I was, you know, felt comfortable. You know, it, it was, I think it was really well done. So, as we get into the voting, my vote will actually go towards Hereditary. So, as y'all know, I'm notorious for falling asleep during movies. It's something that just happens. <laughs> and I actually did fall asleep during Hereditary. I had to oh go back God. and finish it the next day. Yes, you did. What? Oh, no. So, we're going to base it off of movies I didn't fall asleep during. So, my vote's going to go to Midsummer. I also saw a fact about Hereditary that... The actors had done, like, a movie previously together, besides, like, the mom, Tony Collette. And so that kind of, I don't know if she said she, she said she didn't feel like an outsider, but it just felt like more of a, it gave it more of, like, an outsider feeling, too. So, like, it just says, like, that's what the actress said. But, um, I think out of the two... I, I mean, I, I guess I'll pick Midsummer for sure. Uh, hereditary, let's send it to the tiebreaker. Right. That's right. We have our VIP uh, listener. I'm glad we got to use you here, Baby Carrot. Oh, that's an inside joke that uh, somebody else, another potential VIP listener, chose for him. So, uh, Baby Carrot, we... we we, uh, I, I do apologize. You're going to listen to this, and hopefully, uh, the other VIP listener, Steely Dan, is getting a laugh out of this. Uh, but it's Mr. 1032 is our VIP listener. So, Mr. 1032 for the tiebreaker. He rated Midsummer ahead of Hereditary. So, wow. Midsummer wins the tie, and it will move on to the next round. Let's see. If INDB had had a say. Hereditary would have gotten the win in IMDb. VIPs changing history. VIPs change history. That is why it pays off to be VIP. So thank you, Mr. 1032. Your pick goes on to the next round. All right. So to close out the end of the first half of the bracket, we have number seven, Zodiac, go up against number eight, The Curse of La Llorona. So... Fun fact about Zodiac. Oh, sorry, what? I like how you said it. The Curse of La Yeah. Because of La All right, so Zodiac came out in 2007 starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, and Brian Cox. So 
Fun fact, to be as accurate as possible, they decided not to depict any of the alleged Zodiac murders for when there were no surviving victims or witnesses. And I think that was pretty smart because as you saw in that movie, the Zodiac killer probably did try to steal some murders from other people to try to build up his rep and try to make himself more mysterious. And and number eight, The Curse of La Llorona. La Llorona. I feel like I'm Will Ferrell saying that. The Curse of La Llorona. Came out in 2019, starring Linda Cardellini, Linda Cardellini, Raymond Cruz, Marcel Romance, Roman Christu, and Janae Lynn Kinchen. I hate all these names. It's going to lose just because of those names. You all, you all lose. But anyway, this is a really fun fact. So a theater in Montreal, Quebec was supposed to play Pokemon Detective Pikachu in 2019, but instead, this movie started showing, causing many children to be ushered out of the theater in tears. That fun fact. Yeah. So, actually, also that fun fact was on one of our favorite uh, YouTube... uh, Ryan George. Yeah, Ryan George at his pitch meetings. Um, I had actually read that separate from his show but he also gave that fun because it actually he's a youtuber really funny we're a huge fan yeah from canada it actually that was that was the movie theater i think he was actually there in the theater when that happened oh wow yeah and that made like big news so like choking from laughing yeah (laughs) so all these little kids out there see detective pikachu and instead it's this you know crazy lady and (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's really funny so mercy warren you're up Okay, so I like true crime things. I listen to true crime podcasts. Sometimes at night I'll put on, like, true crime shows. So, and the Zodiac Killer is a famous case. Everyone's heard about it. There's multiple podcasts. There's multiple different books, TV shows. There's so much on the Zodiac Killer. Because it is a cold case that's really never been solved. We don't know who the Zodiac Killer is. So I thought this was just an interesting look at like the crime timeline. I do have to say Jake Gyllenhaal was kind of pissing me off. Like, why did he feel the need to take it upon himself to solve this murder? He like sacrificed his whole life, his family, just to get the, the answer to this when it really didn't impact him in any way. So, I mean... I did find Dick Gyllenhaal a little annoying. Unless maybe it did impact him and I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> he made $5 million off the book and well, probably yeah. more for the movie. But, but. <laughs> like, he just became invested in it because he was around, like, Tony Stark. What's his name? Robert Downey Jr. Thank you. <laughs> I think that like, you see, like, in, like, like, real life, like, people get so caught up in trying to solve these crimes. I, I think it's, I thought it actually was pretty realistic in the movie. Okay. Yeah, people Penn, die, just get almost taken over by this stuff. Penn uh, Oswald's uh, late wife actually helped. Like that's how she did it. Like she like independently helped solve the murder in like California because she was like took it on herself to research and do basically what Jake Gyllenhaal's character did in this movie. And he she actually solved it and like turned it into the police and they arrested a, the the actual killer for a, a yeah. cold case in California. Yeah. So we watched that documentary. Yeah. Uh, on HBO, she she died before it was solved. Oh, okay. They used all her information, and it actually was really really helpful. 
in a much lighter version, like only murders in the building take yeah. a lot. Yeah. But like even then, like as as jokey as that is, like for Selena Gomez in some parts, like that kind of takes over her life. So I mean, yeah. people get really involved. Agree. Yeah, Good point. I, I get that point. It's just like his like his wife left him, his children left him and like he just didn't seem that heartbroken about it, but I guess it did like consume him. And it was just I did think it was, like, really interesting. It wasn't scary, but it was kind of just... I'm trying to think of the word. It wasn't scary, but it was almost suspenseful because you just wanted to know what happened next. And you know that there's, like, we don't know who did it. So I think that's part of it, too. Good point. Yeah, it's like, we just don't... Like, you know that there's not going to be a conclusion that leaves you satisfied at the end because you don't... Like, he didn't do it. Like, you don't know who did it. So we saw this together in the theater when it came out. And I think half the reason Mr. Lawson saw it with me because I had, like, a crush on Mark Ruffalo at that point. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like, I don't know why, I thought Mr. Lawson and Mark Ruffalo had, like, a resemblance. I can (laughs) see that. No, I can see that a little bit. I can see the hair. Yeah. Like... Well, 13 going on 30. Just, Who doesn't yeah, look in that movie? No, soft spot for Mark Ruffalo. But anyways, um, we enjoyed the movie watching it again. I do think it's a little long. Agreed. It's, it's uh, I'm maybe pushing three hours or close to three hours. It is, yeah. But I like how it jumps. Like, you get both perspectives. Like, you see the mysterious Zodiac killer like committing the murders or some of it and then you get to see like the research part of it so that's probably why it was so long but I liked both perspectives and then Mercy did you talk about the Christmas? I don't think I did I don't think you did either do you want to do your take real quick? Sure I'd have to say uh, I'm counting this as part of the Conjuring universe and of the Conjuring universe movies this is probably one of my favorites for some reason I honestly don't know why but it's been a while since I've seen it but I just remember like with the mom and the children I don't know I just liked this movie and the lady in the wedding dress was really scary this was not my favorite I thought this was I don't like creepy ladies, like, popping out at you. (laughs) And this is, like, basically what that was. It was. And add children to it. It, This is is really suspenseful for me. Like, I'm not, like, a... I'm not, like, a a grudge or, like, the ring type of... Like, I find those really, really scary. Of, like, all the movies. I don't know why. Also, both of those movies on past brackets. Go back and listen now. Yes, too. (laughs) Because I probably put them on there. But um, <laughs> I found this really super creepy. And um, yeah, I would consider it part of The Conjuring because the priest is in the Annabelle movie, isn't yes. he? Yes, yes, he is. Yep. So you have like that connection too. Um, so I guess I would consider it. But. And then I just didn't like how that mom, like, blamed... Oh, Linda Cardellini. Like, for her children being, like, like, I didn't like how they pinned moms against each other. I don't know. I just found it kind of, like, creepy and unsettling. But it's just not my... Like I said in the beginning, we have a type of horror movie that we like. This this was not it. (laughs) 
So, um, go ahead, Mr. Hawkins. Yeah, box office numbers. Uh, the Zodiac had a box office of $85 million. Um, and a $65 million budget. So I actually thought it would have made more money at the box office. It, it didn't do that great. Yeah. That's a huge budget for how, like, I mean, again, yeah. it's supposed to be based in the 60s and 70s. But, I mean, like, how, where did they spend that money on? I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Maybe the actors? I was going to say the cast. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Yeah, but still. Yeah. I agree. I thought they had some, like, amazing special effects or something like that. So, yeah, I agree. And then the curse of... La Rama. Uh, actually, did really did really well at the box office. I mean, one hundred twenty-five million dollars budget of like ten million. Yeah. So I'm not shocked by that. And that's what is shocking is that a, the movie like that that had a lot more special effects and like everything was like what like the other budget was six times higher. So yeah, that's crazy. But I mean, the the, the La Rama didn't have any. I mean, they, the act the actors weren't really nearly as big names. No. To uh, the Zodiac, so I agree with your kind of earlier takes. Is I like the Zodiac because it it gives the journalistic, but like you still have that murder. You know, it's like a mix of kind of like the you know you want the journalist to solve it, but then like I said, you know they're never going to get to it, especially by the end of this movie. But they still have like the kind of the creepiness of the murderer and like showing the killings. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's a it's kind of a nice mix. Uh, I mean, but it is a it is a really long movie, so strap in. It's going to be a while. Get your snacks ready. Uh, <laughs> it is long. It does. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's a really. It's not that slow. It just it's just a. I don't know. It's just long. It's over three hours, I think. So, uh, and the curse to me, I don't. I know it's like a true legend. I just think it's. Kind of a, I shouldn't say ridiculous legend. I don't know if that's insulting, but just like, I don't understand why the mother kills her two kids. I hope. Well, yeah, she was possessed, so. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't. I just think that's kind of a ridiculous. It's a legend from, like, is it from Mexico? Yeah. It's a Mexican <laughs> legend, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there, but there's different versions. Of, there's different versions of it. There's a lot of jump scares. I'm not really like a jump. There is yeah. a lot of jump scares. I'm not like a jump scare. Like that'll get me for a minute, but it's it's not. It doesn't have the same psychological effect as some of the other movies or we mentioned earlier, like like The Omen or Hereditary. Like it's just like kind of like a if you're scared in the moment, but then afterwards it doesn't really have like a lasting impact. Right. So I mean, I didn't like hate the movie. I just thought it was pretty standard for the Conjuring universe, honestly. So yeah. It wasn't my favorite. I liked the originals better. Like the first one better. Yeah, it was definitely, you can see, just right along the lines of the other one, it was low budget, made a lot of money, and I mean, it, it was. It was just, I mean, if, if this was, if, it was, if it's part of the Conjuring universe, if it was like a TV series, it would be like a filler episode. It would be like one of those bottle episodes where it would just segue into, like, it's just kind of filler until you get to the next one. And that's what it was, and it was successful. I mean, like, it to to make you know that much money on that low of a budget just shows the lasting like the power of the name you know with it yeah so as we get into voting here it's zodiac 
it's it's tough for me because I do like Zodiac, but I do find Jake Gyllenhaal annoying in this movie for all the reasons too. You know, Robert Downey Jr. I liked him, but it's it's factor in his typecast day where he plays another drug addict, you know, with a drinking problem, which he did many times in the mid two thousands. Yeah, so until he kind of finally had his breakout roles as a legitimate actor, but I'm still going to give my vote to Zodiac over Curse of La Luana. Um, it's just for me that like, there's better movies in the Conjuring universe and. Uh, Zodiac was the only other thing that annoyed me to I'll say really quick about uh, Zodiac is when Jake Gyllenhaal might have found the guy at the end that he, in the basement and that he's he's so scared of this short little old man where I mean he's like oh I gotta go now and his door's locked and he can't figure out how to get out I mean if you can't beat up a guy twice your age <laughs> like, if you can't defend yourself then I'm sorry man you I mean that was just so hard for me like I was laughing so hard during that moment like just Punch the guy in the face. He's gonna. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm done. But uh, I get your point, though. Right? Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Can you say the curse movie one more time? The curse of La Llorona. La Llorona. Curse of La Llorona. Curse of La Llorona. All right, Mercy Warren. Okay, so like I said, the curse of La Llorona is probably. I say that it's my favorite of the Conjuring universe, just because. Um, it's the one that scared me the most of those movies, and sometimes, like, if you want to watch a scary movie, you won't actually be scared by it, if that makes sense. I never feel like that. Sometimes. And, like, the other ones, like, it's just Annabelle moving her head around a bunch, and, like, maybe moving positions, and, like, moving the covers. Like, I feel like this one actually had some more scary moments to it. So, like, based on scariness, that and then one other one that's later on in this bracket, later on in this bracket, are actually the scariest in my mind. Um, the Zodiac, I think, was more of like a psychological thriller. Honestly, like I feel like the scariness came from the psychologicalness of, and of course, there's always the scary element of this is something that really happened. Also, was a scary part too. As a Swifty, I don't know if we're supposed to like Jake J- Gyllenhaal right now. <laughs> No. I was gonna say I don't think we've forgiven no. him. I don't think we've forgiven him yet. No. Taylor released a ten minute long song about it, so still has her scarf. Yeah, so um I know all too well that I'm not supposed to be a fan of anything Jake Gyllenhaal does as a Swifty, but honestly, just because Zodiac I think makes you sit on the edge of your seat more, I'm going to go with Zodiac. I will also go with the Zodiac, but I really enjoyed Scott's Fun fact. I'm still laughing about it. I'm at the movie theater. I'll have to find, like, Ryan George's YouTube thing on because he, he, like, describes, like, the vibe. He's like, they're all sitting there waiting for it, and then it just, like, and all these kids start screaming. Like, I have, I'll have to find it and send it to you. It's so terrible. It's funny. It's so it funny. Uh, yeah, send that to me if you find it. Uh, but I'm going to vote for the Zodiac. Get the brooms out for the Zodiac. They think they found the guy uh, via DNA evidence, but he died. Like, yeah. yeah, he died in 2018. So. Yeah. The second half of the bracket sees number nine's Megan against the millennial classic Swim Fan. So Megan came out in two, 2022, starring Allison Williams, Violet McGraw, Ronnie Shines, Jeans, Amy Donald, Anna McDonald, oh my gosh, my handwriting, and Jean... Jen Van Epps. Jen Van Epps? Okay. A smart bit of writing was having Megan only think short-term while planning 
while planning, which caused her plans to fall apart later on. This was done because, though obviously she's very intelligent, she was still functionally a child who was still learning as Emma wanted her to learn on her own. So I thought that was really clever. Still very interesting, because kids don't really think long-term. Can Mrs. Lawson vouch for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, very short-term. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now, uh, of course, we were talking about Mr. Lawson there, so... <laughs> All right, and it goes up against number 10, Swim Fan, which came out in 2002, starring Jesse Bradford, Erica Christensen, Sherry Appleby, and Kate Burton. So at the very end of the movie, when Amy is taken hostage, the stunt double for Sherry Appleby didn't feel comfortable being tied to the chair and pushed into the water. So Sherry, Sherry Appleby did the stunt herself and was actually pushed into the swimming pool, fully submerged, kind of defeating the purpose of a stunt double. Yeah, she probably, hopefully she didn't get paid for that day. I was going to say, yeah, that's kind of like the one thing you're supposed to do, and <laughs> you put the main actress in danger. Yeah. All right, Mercy Warren. So my thing that freaks me out most in, like, scary horror movies is possessed little girls or possessed children. So, like, Megan, she's not possessed, but she's obviously, like, turns evil. It was a fun, like, campy movie, but at the same point in time, it's like, little, scary little girls just freak me out, so I was kind of freaked out by that. It made me scared for the future, because, like, Mr. Lawson and I were saying, especially Mr. Lawson, he was like, you know, this this could probably happen, yeah. you know, in the near future, and, like, in that situation, too, so it kind of made me a little scared just for like, yeah, this AI technology, like that could actually happen pretty soon, like in the near future. Exactly. So it just makes it like scary. So we have a Mercy special. We haven't had one of these in a long time, but I have not actually seen Swim Fan. I do know that it has the guy from Bring It On in it, but that's about all I do know from it. I did watch the trailer, and it does look kind of creepy, like a girl is obsessed with a guy, and, like, that's basically it. It's pretty good. Um, I remember watching it a lot with, like, my mom when it came, like, when I was younger. Uh, but basically, the Erica Christensen character becomes obsessed with the main guy, Jesse Bradford. He's on the swim team at their high school. And he has a girlfriend. Um, and basically, he, like, he does end up, like, cheating on her and like, this, like, pool scene. And then she becomes, like, even more obsessed with him. But then you find out, like, she's doing these creepy things and, like, stalking him. And then you find out that that's not the first time that she's done it to somebody. Like, he, she actually, it, it was her boyfriend, but she, like stalked him and like hurt him to the point where he was like in a hospital long term so then he starts finding out jesse bradford starts finding out more about her past and like um then she ends up taking the girlfriend hostage with the pool scene and like pushing her in and then you find out at the end like the girl can't even swim <laughs> so she like spoiler she like drowns in the pool he saves his girlfriend and she drowns in the pool all happening at the high school so awesome now i don't need to see it thank you now you don't need to see it but it is good it's it's not so scary it's not like a like boo scary type of movie it's more of a suspenseful which yeah. 
I tend to like more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- really well said there because like I saw Swim Fan years ago, and this is uh, as I said on uh, other podcasts, this was a uh, creepy Scott Burns trying to see some nudity uh, mm-hmm. from these movies, but I don't believe there was any nudity in this movie. Like, no, it was like a steamy like sex scene yeah. in the pool, but nothing was seen. No, like, you just yeah, and it was like you know not a long scene at all, but yeah, it got the point. For- got to the 14-year-old Scott was just as disappointed as 35-year-old Scott, so. (laughs) But, yeah, but I mean, it's also, uh, joking aside, this is a movie that I think a lot of guys, including myself and Mr. Lawson, can relate to, just being so sexy and good at a certain thing and having a girl just obsess over you, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty damaging. I mean, it's pretty scary, you know, going through that. It's, uh, you know. Scott, what was your, what was your thing in high school? I was on Academic Decathlon, actually. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, Mr. Lawson, I feel like we're, you know, you guys are friends, but you were in, like, many different groups. Well, anyways, I'll give, the, I'll give the first two box office and budget. So, Megan had a budget of $12 million wow. and made $181 million at... The, at the box office, which Only, I did not think it made that much money. I didn't think it was that low. Twelve million dollars to make that movie. Twelve million dollars. Well, that's impressive. There weren't really any big stars. I mean, mm-hmm. Al, who is that? Allison Williams. Yeah. And then the guy. Mr. Lawson told me he's like from the Daily Show or something. The like boss. Oh the yeah, guy. I remember. Yeah, he's like a comedian, but right. I really didn't think his acting was that great in this no. movie. So maybe that's why, because there weren't very many big stars. And then Swim Fan had a budget of ten million dollars and made thirty-four million at the box office. So, so both in the green. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I kind of liked Megan. I didn't think it was a very scary movie. Like, it wasn't really one. I mean, there's some, like, there's some, like, tense parts to it. Like, you know, some, like, some of the, like, attack scenes where the, where she goes, where the robot basically goes crazy. Um, but for the most part, I didn't think it was really scary. I thought it was more of, like, a sci-fi film with a little bit of more fear into it than usual, I thought. Yeah, I kind of liked that it. it made you think about like what would happen? Because I feel like that will be developed. That technology will, will be there someday. But what are the implications on society? So I thought it was more of like, yeah, like I said, it was more of like a long-term thinking mm-hmm. movie than it was like a really scary in the moment movie. At least for me. I mean, there was a few parts of it, but I don't know. I, I kind of I thought it was more thought-provoking than anything compared to Swim Fan. <laughs> compared to Swim Fan, which is pretty. Pretty standard team. I gave, I gave the whole movie of Swim Fan in like a two minute sum up. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was a mercy special. Yeah. Okay. All right. So as we get into voting here, um, Megan was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I actually, I heard the hype about it and it was made fun about on like SNL and everything. And I thought like, okay, you know, it wasn't really exactly what I thought it would be. I, it, it reminded me a little bit of like child's play Chucky a bit. And that's actually why I chose this movie to be on the bracket over Chucky, because I actually thought it did a better job with like the storytelling, the, like the actual possibility of it actually happening and just more of the fun of it. I mean, it was, it was still kind of like comedic at times. It was funny at times. It was suspenseful. I mean, I think the part when she's pulling off the kid's ear was pretty shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw the unrated version 
And so, I mean, a lot more blood. But I mean, the dance too, when she's in the hallway and she's dancing, I thought was like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like, is that, that was all the rage in the last year. So swim fan, I, I did enjoy wrapping it up here. Megan gets my vote. <laughs> I think the scariest thing about Megan is just also how manipulative that she is to like get what she wants. And I agree this you're pulling off scenario as an example of that manipulation of links that she'll go to to protect Emma and to to the point where she's like I'm a better parent to you than her aunt is and yeah it just in her defense she was being for a while (laughs) yeah before she like lost it yeah she was being a better yeah like just that scene especially when she just first gets there and she wants to play with the toys and her aunt's like we don't play with those toys they're to look at right yeah so I mean you do feel for Emma that her parents have passed away. She is with her aunt, who's not really used to taking care of a child. And her aunt really forces Megan on Emma. And then just seeing how Megan manipulates herself, basically. Like I said, I haven't seen swim fans, so my vote's also going to go to Megan. I'm going to vote for uh, Megan, too. I just... I think we liked it more than we thought we were going to. Oh, and I like it at the end how the little Emma girl, she, like, just basically just uh, just knows how to use that giant robot thing at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Megan. <laughs> oh, I know how to do this. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I think we enjoyed Megan more than we thought we were going to. So that also gets my vote. Get out the brooms. It's a sweep for Megan. So that'll move on to the next round, where it could potentially meet one of these two movies. Number 11, The Menu, is the appetizer that goes up against number 12's Coraline. So The Menu came out in 2022, also, just like the past movie, starring Ralph Fiennes. I know we always disagree on how we say his name, but basically, as we as we all know him, Voldemort. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Hoft, and Hong Chao. There's some other big name people in there too, like semi big names, but we'll be here all night. So the burger eaten at the end by Anna Taylor Joy was real and the only real food filmed as all the things shown in the movie were props. Everyone in the cast was apparently very hungry and jealous watching her eat that burger. And actor John Leguizamo, Leguizamo, you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Leguizamo, he was the actor basically in the movie. Uh, order them all burgers, too, just so <laughs> they wouldn't feel left out. So that goes up against number 12, Coraline, which came out in 2009, starring Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, John Hodgman, and Jennifer Sanders. So the first setup motion animated feature to be shot entirely in 3D, it was shot over 18 months after two years of pre-production. There were 24 different puppets of Coraline used in the movie, and each one took 10 people and three to four months to make. So that was a ton of prep work and dedication to go into that movie, years and years to come out with it. And I got to say, it was really good. I, I, I was actually even surprised at the time that it was stop motion. I, I thought it was so seamless and really well done. Mercy Warren. So the thing I like about the menu is that, like, it does have some elements that you could consider it horror or scary, but it kind of has a little bit of everything. It's a psychological thriller. It's a dark comedy. It does have aspects, like I said, of being a bit scary. But mainly, it's, it's also kind of like a mystery story, too. 
storyline also like it did have like a little bit of a creepy vibe to it like if I was a kid watching the stop motion movie I would probably be probably be scared yeah what, what age group was that movie for I don't know in all honesty that's a great question yeah because I feel like it would be too scary for some children especially at the end part when she turns into that spider without the eyes once the buttons get ripped off. Yeah, there's a lot of scary parts for little kids, I think. And I've had that song that the, that other father sings at the piano stuck in my head for the last week. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like too adult for kids, and it's a little bit too kids for, like, Adult. kids for yeah. adults. You know. <laughs> and I do have to say, the name Wyborn might be the most like sad name I've ever heard in my life. I think the best part of Coraline was the cat, honestly. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. If that cat was not in that movie, she she would have failed. <laughs> like, her mission completely. We had both never seen these movies. Um, they're very different. But we enjoyed both of them more than we thought we were going to, I would say. Uh, Coraline took us a little bit more, like, time to watch. It, just, it did feel long, but it, it took us two nights to get through. Because at our house, we can't really get through a movie in one sitting. But, um, yeah, I would say we enjoyed it. I know it's not Tim Burton. It reminded me of, like, a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, very much so. But I know it's not. Um, and I just thought all the characters were really interesting and, like, that um, coloring and everything in that movie. But then the menu... Um, like I said, we like suspenseful movies more than jumpy movies, and that was kind of in our wheelhouse, and we thought it was better than we were expecting it to be, kind of like Megan. So I think we watched these back-to-back, so we were like, oh, like the Scott Barnes and Mercy picked good movies <laughs> for this bracket. Yeah, like both movies, I'll give you the box office. So the menu made 79 million dollars at the box office on a budget of three million dollars so really small budget there yeah. i guess it was all kind of filmed in like one one set i would imagine oh yeah definitely uh Coraline, oh sorry i'm sorry it was a 30 million dollar budget i oh. apologize 30 million dollar budget so okay. i yeah no, that, made, that, that makes more sense based on the actors yes yeah, yeah i was gonna say how much did ralph Fiennes get for that movie <laughs> yeah but still more than the budget so it worked out um, Coraline made $124 million at the box office, budget of only $60 million. So both successful movies. The the menu, I kind of don't, I'm going to get, I'm going to have spoilers this part. The menu, I kind of don't understand why the rest of the kitchen staff goes along with like the suicide mission. They never really fully explain that. I know he kind of, and obviously he killed himself, but I never understood why the rest of the staff went along with that. I didn't really... That was never explained to me fully. Maybe I, I had a theory about it. I think that it was more, it wasn't just like a kitchen staff. It was, he created a cult, you know, it was like a cult did, following. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I just guess I didn't fully understand it, why they didn't have anybody kind of go against it. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't wrong with that. Like it wasn't explained, but that's just, I think you kind of just make the, I don't know if they expect you to make the connection on your own or if that's even right or not, but that's what I got. Okay. Yeah. I did like how it made it, the comment on like foodie culture being like really extreme and people being obsessed with like taking pictures of their food and you know having to try new places all the time. So I, I like that about the movie. 
Uh, I like the ending too when she eats the burger. Yeah. Because because I think I think I I assume that 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 burger was poisoned. That was my thought because of that first scene when they show all the meat and they're like, well, if this meat is over a certain age, it's like poisonous. So I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys thought that watching the movie that now that you that, say that, like, like I, I didn't make that connection at first, I but now, either. but I, I kind of wonder maybe it was one of those things where it might've been, you picked up on it. I didn't pick up on it, but maybe that's something where he knew like, yeah, you might enjoy, you might think you're getting away and he might've just been okay with like that. But he, then he knows she's just going to die later and you just, you don't see it happen, but you know, it's probably going to happen. That's kind of what I thought that was. Yeah. Cause the first I was like, Hey, she, he's just letting her get away so easily. Yeah. But then I was kind of like I, that. Just that scene came back came back to me at the very beginning, so I thought that was. A, I, I liked how the movie ended too. So I thought that was really well done. I really do like the scene where he's cooking the burger because it's like the first first time he's been happy in a long time. And yeah, he just did such a good job of like portraying that. But I think my favorite part of the movie is when he brings the I think his name was Tyler and and Taylor Joy's like boyfriend or person that he she was there with. And it's like he cooks, and they put flash on the screen. Tyler's bullshit. Yeah, that was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah there, there was a lot of good aspects of the movie. I was with your takes earlier, Kelly. There's, or my gosh, Mercy. There was a lot of good. Like it was suspense. There was mystery. There was it was a thriller. I really thought the movie accomplished a lot. Yes, it really. And the, yeah, and I said Coraline. I liked it as far as like an animated movie. Like I said, my, I, I was just kept thinking, like, I don't know who this is really for. I'm surprised it made that much money at, at the box office. Just maybe a lot of adults saw it. I did think it was, like, a good... Like, it's a movie that I wouldn't mind, like, watching again mm-hmm. because of, like, the all the different um, animations. I'm guessing there's a lot of little things in that movie that I missed watching it the first time. So but I, I thought it was pretty good overall. It was a good movie, but have you ever watched a movie... And thought, like, who thought of this? Like, who's the brain <laughs> yeah. conceptualized this idea? That's kind of where I am at with uh, some of the, a bunch of these movies, actually. But Coraline especially. Like, yeah, the I, buttons for eyes and... Yeah, I, I, like, uh, my wife said earlier, it, it reminded me of, like, a Tim Burton movie. I think they had him in mind when they were making that. But also, too, it was actually supposed to be a live-action movie. It was supposed to be with the actors and not stop uh, stop motion. And then they changed it. Um, and I guess, I mean, I don't know the thought process going into that. But then it ended up like, okay, we're just going to go from this into, let's spend the next two years making all these puppets and all these scenes and stuff and doing all this work. So, bold decision, but it was actually better than I thought it would be. Very weird characters. Yes. Yeah, very creative, neighbors, though. Yeah, all the neighbors in the house were just, like, very yeah. strange. Yeah. And the fact that the grandma had a doll that just looked just like her and nobody thought anything of it. And he's like, I'm just going to give this away. Yeah. And was anybody else disturbed by those two old ladies? Yes, very much so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, weren't they, like, naked at one point? Yeah, they yeah, were. Like, it yeah. was kind of, like, like a lot of nakedness yeah. for a kids' yeah. movie. Again, don't know who the movie was. Yeah, Mitchell makes a good point there, yep. I was at a store, like, shortly after we watched this movie. It was, like, a consignment store for kids. And um, they had dolls with, like, black button eyes on them. I'm not even joking. Like, for sale. (laughs) And I was... There were, like, two two little dolls with, like, black button eyes. I was like, who would buy this? No, I did not. I was like, (laughs) this is creepy. 
It should be burned. All right, so as we get into voting here, this actually is a closer vote than I would have assumed it would be. Um, I kind of flip-flop a couple times on which one I would vote for. I'm going to go with the menu. I think overall it was a great mix of comedy, intelligent writing, um, maybe a couple plot holes and stuff, but also like a really suspenseful thriller. Um, Overall, just a a good movie. And Coraline, you know, if it had gone against a couple other movies in this bracket, actually probably would have got my vote. And like Mr. Lawson said, I'd I'd really like to rewatch it and get some see see some things I might not not have picked up on the first time. But he made some other good points too. Like, who was this movie for? I feel like... If I was 14 and saw this, that would have been right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's almost like a like a like a darker. Te- yeah, teens probably about a good age to see it. Yeah, to the point. Uh, Mercy Warren. So this is actually rough because it was they were both good movies that I wouldn't mind watching again. But my vote's going to go to the menu. Um, I am going to throw a vote for Coraline. And it's not going to be a tiebreaker. I'm going to vote for the menu. Like you mentioned earlier, Scott, if Coraline was up against some other ones, I probably would have voted for that. But the menu is tough to beat in this half of the bracket. Agreed, yeah. So, Mr. 1032, we got to wait a little bit more to see if you have any more tiebreakers coming up as we get into the final four movies of the bracket and see number 13, Knock at the Cabin, versus number 14, The Nun. So... Knock at the cabin. Did you hear me knocking there? <laughs> Is it better this one? You're the kitty. <laughs> so it's suspense. Number 13, Knock at the Cabin, came out in 2023, starring Dave Batista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Rupert Grint, uh, Abby Quinn, and Kristen Koo. Spoilers here. The book is much different than the movie and never really answers the question, this is the book anyway, on whether they prevented the apocalypse or not. In the movie, they pretty much clearly say, yes, they prevented the apocalypse. Uh, In the book, a different person is killed by accident and not by choice. Also, all four visitors who knock at the cabin door represent the four horsemen of the apocalypse, obviously, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we all saw this before. We all know this. M. Night Shyamalan. Woo, really big reveal there. (laughs) Anyway, it goes, goes up against number 14. It stares down the icy stare of The Nun, which came out in 2018, starring uh, Demian Bisher, Tassia Farmiga, Jonas Bloquette, and Bonnie Ahrens. So, not sure why they did this, but Teresa Farmiga, who plays Sister Irene, is the real-life younger sister of Vera Farmiga, who plays Lorraine Warren in the Conjuring series. The producers and writers claim Sister Irene is not related in the Conjuring universe, that the sisters are not related, despite being devout Catholics, they have both have clairvoyant abilities, they deal with the same demonic entity, and obviously they look very similar. So, I think The Nun 2 just came out recently, and I haven't seen that yet. I don't know if um, that sister Irene's in it again. But kind of, like, why cast that? Why do that if you're not going to have them be related somehow in the Senate, in that universe? I don't know. I think she is in the second one. I'm pretty sure if I saw, like, the trailers for it, but... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really make sense to me either. Right. Mercy Warren. Okay, so Knock at the Cabin Door, like Scott said, 
as a four horsemen of the apocalypse type situation where um, there's a family renting out a cabin and basically people keep on coming up to their door and like killing themselves until they agreed to make a sacrifice to prevent the apocalypse from happening. I found it suspenseful. I think my favorite scene in the end of the whole movie was like at the very like backtrack. When they're driving in they're listening to that Boogie Woogie Shoes song. <laughs> and at like the very end of the movie after they decide to go ahead and make the sacrifice and Jonathan Groff dies. Like, they're listening to that Boogie Woogie Shoes song again, but it's, like, almost, like, unsettling this time. So, I mean, that one did make me think a little bit. The Nun is also another movie that's in the Conjuring universe that does scare me. Growing up as a Catholic child, we're we're programmed to be scared of nuns anyways. So, I mean, (laughs) having a possessed nun that, like, murders and stuff doesn't do anything to help with that but i mean i feel like the nun of the conjuring universe is probably the scariest looking thing she is pretty scary yeah she's unsettling yeah uh so now i get the cabin i think we thought this was just okay like it wasn't our favorite m night Shyamalan movie that we've ever seen uh but it was fun seeing Ron Weasley in, like, a different role, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel... Jonathan Goff's always good. Jonathan Groff, yeah, I was sad to see him die at the end, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I feel like for M. Night Shyamalan, he had, like, his moment, and definitely... It, it was, there's been better movies, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then The Nun, it's just... The Conjuring universe just really isn't my favorite. Um, there's just one point in the movie where they're like, they're going to search for, isn't it? At one point they're like going to search for the nut and like they, they're the priest and they're going to search. And I'm just like, I'm just, why are you searching for her? You know, she's like, possess- you know, something is going to happen right. when you're going to search for like the one thing that could kill you. Anyway, it, I feel like some bad decisions were made on their part in that movie. But, um, yeah, like the same as the curse of La Llorona. Yeah, it's just it had a lot of jump scares, and jump scares just really aren't my favorite. But I'm gonna pass along to uh, Mr. Lawson. Yeah. So, Knock at the Cabin Door had a box office of fifty-five million dollars. Budget of only twenty, so again, not not huge, no, not huge numbers, but successful. And then the nun made thirty three hundred and sixty five million dollars at the yeah. box office, which is crazy, crazy to me. Yeah, and only had a budget of twenty two million dollars. Of course, so. yeah. What a success! I mean, that no con- wonder they made a second one. <laughs> oh yeah. The Conjuring, fri- Conjuring franchise, just like people love it. It's it's incredible how little they spend on those movies and how big the return is it's like 30 times the return every single time I just never think the plot it's just not as Mercy would say they're just not my cup of tea yeah. I, I, I never think the plots are that impressive they're all the same movie over and over again no matter what yeah. if it's La Llorona if it's The Nun Annabelle Conjuring they they're all bad. the same and they all make bad decisions which leads the movie to happen yeah, yeah. 
yeah, everyone makes stupid choice. I, it's I don't like when like there's multiple stupid choices made yeah. by the characters, and that's one of those movies. I'm not as like a. I don't think I'm not afraid of nuns, but I didn't have like a real, I didn't have like that Catholic, you know, shared nun experience. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's, to me, there's other scarier, just like po- like plots in the Conjuring universe to me. So, not my favorite. I kind, I like the knock of the cabinet. Like, and that Chamon. I mean, you kind of have to know what you're getting when you're going into these movies. I thought some of his characters were a little bit like. They made the the one lady that was like super progressive, like they make he kind of makes some of his characters like over the top, <laughs> like it almost seems like he was trying to like, I don't know, it just was a little bit preachy of a movie I would say, and yeah. it kind of ruined it a little bit some parts for me, but I really did like the fact that like they had to make this they had to make a choice and they had to make a sacrifice. And I thought that kind of like tension of what were they gonna do. At, you know the whole movie I thought was really interesting so I really like that aspect of yeah. it and then you kind of have this feeling of no this isn't true like these people are lying and then at the end it's like well yeah this is actually happening and, and they have to actually make a sacrifice that was kind of different for like a scary movie okay. and I think it's I think sorry I think it's one of those like would you actually make that joke it's like you know, would you make that choice? Like, how would you, I think it's like, how would you react in that situation kind of movie, which yeah. I, I find more interesting. I agree with that, yeah. I, I won't go on too long of a rant here, but some of my problems with M. Night Shyamalan in general is that he, he makes, he creates this world that's similar to ours, but then just different enough to where it's believable. But then he creates his own rules. And when you make your own rules up, and then you can kind of, you, you go in between those lines of your own rules, like anything can happen. And you have to sit back and stuff for a second. Like, does it make sense? And a lot of those things don't make sense. But he created the rules, he created the world, and you just kind of have to buy into it. Yeah. And it's better when you buy into it. This one was hard to buy into for me. It was a hard movie to buy into. But this is the other caveat to this I will give with M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan movies. Is he picks terrific actors to be in his movies. Dave Bautista gave an awesome performance. Yeah, Jonathan, Bautista, I like Dave Bautista a lot. Yep, Dave, yeah. Jonathan Groff, Rupert Grint. I mean, the little girl. They all were amazing in his movies. Like, another one, Sue Signs. Like, Mel Gibson did a great job in Signs. Um... What's the other one? I think was it Life of Pi? Life of Pi, yeah, Life of Pi. He does great acting. Um, uh, 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 Sixth Sense, terrific acting from everybody involved. So he does. It's kind of that double-edged sword with M Night Shyamalan, where his movies are so ridiculous and silly at times, but on the other time he finds really his casting decisions are almost perfect every single time. And um, the nun was everything we said. We already covered that. I won't go into it. So my vote's going to go to the ca- knock of the cabin, just because of the acting for that part. Not the story, not the apocalyptic things or whatever. The acting will win it for me in this round. My vote's going to go to the knock at the cabin door as well because it is a bit more thought provoking. And I didn't have anybody from that movie stare at me when I was being too loud in church as a child. <laughs> Shout out to Sister Mildred. Yeah, I'll throw my vote for Knock at the Cabin as well. Another sweep for Knock at the Cabin, although I don't... I'm kind of with you. I'm not, like, in love with the movie. Right. Yeah, it's 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 one of those weird things. It's it's. I really love the acting, but it's almost like in spite of M. Night Shyamalan, almost kind of how I feel about um, Stephen King movie novels too. So, (laughs) in reverse. 
All right, so our final two movies that are going up against each other. And before we get into quick voting here, we see number 15, Ghost Ship, sailing into combat against number 16, The Haunting. So Ghost Ship came out in 2002, starring Julian McGillie, Gabriel Byrne, Carl Urban, Emily Browning, and Desmond Harrington. So Julian Margulius, who played main character Epps. Uh, Julian Margulies? Margulies, thank you. This <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> Said originally the script was supposed to be a psychological thriller and the crew goes crazy trying to get gold and money and power. But producers claimed they changed the entire script due to 9-11 for some reason. And by the time Julian... What's her face? Julian Margulies. Thank you. Arrived to film the movie in Australia, the script had been completely changed and it had ghosts added into it. She was shocked but obligated to fill it to film it anyway. Yeah, I heard that too. She, I think she thought it was going to be like The Shining but on a boat. Exactly. Yep. And then and they totally changed it. Yeah. All right, and number 16, The Haunting, came out in 1999, starring Lily Taylor, Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Owen Wilson. So Steven Spielberg was so disgusted by the quality of the final product of the film, he removed his name and ensured that he received zero credit for being connected to the movie. Oh, I know, I know exactly that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I looked it up just to confirm this was true, and it was. He, he along with Stephen King were producers in it and then when the final movie came out steven spielberg was like this is the worst thing i've ever seen i can't i don't want my name connected to this take me off of it entirely i'm kind of with steven <laughs> the two stevens all right mercy warren so ghost ship was is a mercy special i saw the, the first 20 minute of it, minutes of it on tv about an hour ago <laughs> But I haven't seen the rest, so we're going to call it a Mercy Special. I'll watch it. Well, the first uh, couple of minutes of it is the most shocking of the movie. Yeah. But It's considered one of the best opening scenes in a mo- in like horror movie like history. So I, I, I agree. It's a really cool opening scene. Yeah. I really like that. It's pretty shocking. Yeah. I probably missed that part because I turned it on at 8.10 when the movie started at 8 on T- on AMC. <laughs> so I might have missed the shocking part. I think, yeah. Well, basically, everyone gets, everyone's, you go back in time and everyone's dancing on the boat and there's this little girl. Everyone gets sliced in half by this wire and then their bodies just all fall apart except for the little girl and she's like dancing with the captain of the boat and she's just like frightened and disgusted for a second you think the captain made it and then it's like no he gets sliced like right here by his mouth yeah Yeah. that's what you missed that scene yeah they were just sitting on a boat when i was turned it turned it on there was just a bunch of people sitting on a boat. The Haunting was one of those movies that, like, it was, even for me, it was a little cheesy because it was very, the CGI wasn't that great. Like, I mean, I know it was in the 90s, but we could do better than that, I'm fairly sure, in the 90s even. The CGI was just kind of bad, and, this, and that Lily T- Taylor character, lady who played the main character, 
really annoyed me. Yeah, she was a little... They're super annoying. And yeah. it's unsettling seeing Owen Wilson in something like that. <laughs> just because, I mean... You, uh, because you just associate associate Owen Wilson with funny movies. Oh, wow. When? Cool. It, so, I mean, I still consider it, was, it a comedy. It was distracting. It wasn't unsettling. Yeah. I, did, I, became, I didn't know he was in the movie, and I saw him, and I was like... I had the same reaction. I was like, he'd be like, oh, wow, what a cool house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not unsettling or disturbing. It was just like a, Owen Wilson, you don't belong here. Like, yeah, kind of situation. <laughs> Get out of here, Owen Wilson. Yeah, I think we can both all agree both of these movies are pretty, like, balls of cheese. This is a good <laughs> this, this is a great matchup for yeah. cheesy horror movies. But Ghost Ship, I, I enjoyed Ghost Ship, actually. Um, I do have some issues with the ghosts. Like, the one guy... <laughs> the one guy is allowed to kiss... The ghost to basically like almost have sex with the lady ghost, but then like the girl, like the necklace falls through her hand and be like the ghosts just make their own rules of when they can be touched or not. I don't know. That was never really explained. What else? What else did we say? Like the food was kind of weird that they're eating like maggots and bugs and stuff, but like, so how do yeah. they affect? They so they can affect some parts of the environment, but not other parts of the environment. And like, I don't. It was inconsistent. Right. The heavy metal at the end was. Pretty yeah, cool. oh, the music is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, and then we had other. What was the other question? Like, were all the people? Because the guy was, he wasn't there for the gold. He was there to just collect souls, right? The main villain guy? I think so. But then so, he he gets I don't know, yeah. I tried to like tell I, I tried to tell Miss Lawson like this is the movie you're supposed to think too deep about. Yeah. Like there's plot holes. This this is a movie that like you just kinda gotta enjoy it for the ride. And he's allowed to tackle ghosts. Like he's allowed to tackle the girl ghost and then I don't know. It's just I, I liked it. It just has some plot holes, basically. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, and then the haunting, um, like Mercy said, it was just great. You know, great actors, but just like so, like a bad. It was it was bad. Bad yeah. movie. <laughs> so Ghost Ship got made sixty eight million dollars at the box office. Wow. Budget of thirty five. And then the haunting somehow made a hundred eighty million dollars at the box office. No way! Budget of only eighty. I'm guessing because all the big actors. It had to have been brought people in. I mean, that seemed like wasn't that Catherine Zeta Jones kind of like peak Catherine? That had Zeta-Jones? yeah. That was definitely probably her at her peak because I remember thinking like she's still attractive here, which I know don't think in other movies past that date. So <laughs> yeah, she's yeah she's in that movie. I would say not to shame yeah, her or anything. Like I said, Ghost Ship. Yeah, the intro is really cool that's a yeah. great scene and I feel like it starts off with some promise and then once they board the ghost ship it kind of turns into like a pretty like below average like like hor- like almost like a buddy it's like it's like a buddy movie with like horror in it it's really weird it's like well this person's going off by themselves they're gonna die oh this person's going off by themselves like they're gonna die 
so I thought that was just it just the ending was just and then the ending was very weird with the said like the horror movie oh, the, the, I mean the, uh, the souls like surrounding the boat yeah and then, and then the heavy metal at the end and like even though like the, the villain was in a massive explosion he like somehow like made it through yeah I just I, I just like I said, it's a movie that I would just, I actually kind of enjoyed watching it, but just don't try to analyze it too much because it's yeah. it's gonna fall short there. Yeah. And then the haunting, it just the it, I don't know how they picked that cast because like Mercy, Mercy said earlier, it just doesn't fit. Like Owen Wilson doesn't feel fit there. And Catherine Zeta Jones kind of like when she showed up, that that kind of distracted you. Like it, it just wasn't. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, I thought did a pretty decent job. I feel like he kind of tried. Mm-hmm his best of that movie but I don't know it just I just didn't believe the actors together it just yeah. didn't hit for me and I feel like if this movie like had more of like a like a setting back in like the 1970s like that kind of vibe it would have felt a little bit scarier yeah but I couldn't like the era just didn't really I don't know it just, it just like it, the era didn't make sense to me the main character was annoying it, yeah there's just a lot and the there was like a couple cool scenes, like like the the merry-go-round scene was yeah. kind of cool, and that, some parts of the house, some like scenes of the house were pretty cool. But besides that, it was just kind of a mess. Yeah, and I think the the house, or it's actually like a hotel or something that's in England, I believe. And um, that was actually like what amazed me the most about that movie, The Haunting, was like I'm like I want to go there. That that looks like a real cool place to visit. Yeah, that's, that, I thought that was the coolest part too. Yeah. And, so, yeah, but the um, Wilson dying is just doesn't make sense. I just I, don't like that either. Yeah, that the, the, we have to kill off somebody, so it might as well be him, kind of a thing. And then yeah, even the like Lily Taylor dying at the end too didn't really make a lot of sense. It's like I'm like I said to uh, Mercy Warren after afterwards because she was about to get evicted. I'm like, well, that's one way of avoiding like rent or whatever, I guess. So just yeah, her life was just like so depressing. I know. And I was kind of hoping she would get some redemption. At the yeah. And it just didn't really happen. Yeah, so it was like, it's it's like, okay, dying is better than dealing with your problems in life, I guess. Yeah. Which was not a good message. Yeah. But, Awful. So, and then also, too, with the like the house, she goes through that door, and it's like the same room she had set up back at her own apartment. Again, too, like, where, where was it? I feel like, I'll, I'll do my quick rant here, is I feel like both of these movies, if it, like, they did way too much and less would have been a lot better if the haunting would have just like stuck to something as like a psychological thriller and not had the cheesy awful cgi it could have been a yeah. really really good movie even with those actors and the same thing with ghost ship if it would have kept to like the original script and been like shining on a boat like mrs uh, lawson said it could have been a lot better too but then they're like okay let's just throw ghosts into it and it's like no now you're just doing what every other movie the last 40 years has done yeah so yeah I know the same director did Ghost Ship did 13 Ghosts. Yes. And they definitely have the same type of like cheesy ghost movie vibe. So, from the director. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, as we get into voting here, this is a tough vote just because both these movies were so bad. But I will give my vote to Ghost Ship just because it's more, it's like, it's watchable bad and like everybody's been saying, that opening scene has been really good. And actually, uh, Mercy did see the opening scene. It was just out of context. We, we watched part of it on YouTube and you did actually see it. Okay. Yeah, it just like out of context, it probably wouldn't have made any sense. But um, So overall, I guess Ghost Ship might be the better of the two bad movies. So Ghost Ship gets my vote this round. Even though Liam, even though Liam Neeson's my birthday, my birthday buddy, um, I'm gonna vote against him 
and vote for Ghost Ship as well. Ghost Ship. <laughs> ghost Ship is more fun to watch. I'm going can't believe we're having a sweep for Ghost Ship. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I don't see this one going to the finals. So we're going to get a quick voting now. We're going to go back to the beginning of the bracket, and then... Also, at the very end, we will reveal Mr. 1032's top three picks and his bottom three picks, so stick around for that. But getting back into the first part of the bracket here, we have Jeepers Creepers going against the Omen. Um, This is pretty easy. I'm going to give my vote towards the Omen. My vote's going to go towards the Omen as well. I'm going to vote for the Omen. Easy Omen. All right, and then we go back to the second part of the bracket where we see Midsummer going up against Zodiac. I'm going to go Zodiac for this one. I think we said everything that needed to be said about Midsummer in the first part, the highs and lows of it. And Zodiac, I think, is just you can watch it and come up with like different conclusions and miss things. You know, it's a long movie, yeah, but I think overall Zodiac's a better movie. These are both really good movies, but uh, or solid movies, but I would go with Midsummer. I will throw a vote for Midsummer too. They're so close to me. Let's send it to a tiebreaker. Let's have fun. All right. So. I think you're cheating. <laughs> I'm not. You've been part of the show since the beginning. <laughs> I think you're All right. Well, let's see here. So, like, in this one, Midsummer would have, like, if it was the tiebreaker with Mr. 1032, Midsummer would have beat the Zodiac. And this one here. Zodiac has an IMDb score of 7.7 out of 10. Midsummer, however, has a score of 7.1 out of 10. So Zodiac gets the win. I think Mr. 1032 had it right. Another kill for the Zodiac. Allegedly. Alright, so back to where we were in the second half of the bracket. We have Megan going up against the menu. Um... These are both good. Um, I'm going to give my vote to the uh, to Megan here. I, I think it's overall is a little bit... I mean, both of these were actually pretty original in a way. I don't know. I can't really explain it. Megan's going to get my vote. The menu is going to get my vote. Yeah, we were just... It was a quick menu vote for me when I thought of the two. This is like essentially the finals of the other... Of this half of the bracket. And I am going to vote for The Menu. Okay. Both re- I like both these movies. I would recommend them both. Yeah. All right, so The Menu moves on into the semifinals. And now we go back to the bottom of this bracket where we have Knock at the Cabin going up against Ghost Ship. Again, not my favorite movies, either of these. I'm going to go Ghost Ship for this one, honestly. I can, I can, Ghost Ship! Yeah. I, just, I think Knock at the Cabin door, like I said, the acting's great. But it just, it only takes us so far, too. I'm going to throw one for Knock at the Cabin Door. If I had to watch these two movies again, if I wanted to, I would pick Ghost Ship. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't like either one that much, but Ghost Ship's just more fun. It's almost like a watch it with your friends and make fun of it movie. Exactly. It has a cult following, too. I'll give it that. Yeah. All right, so now we go into the semifinals, and we have The Omen versus Zodiac. Uh, Zodiac is discovered in, and revealed in this one to be a loser, and The Omen will get the win, in my opinion. Versus. I'd vote for The Omen as well. Uh, I'll throw a vote for The Zodiac. Oh, my gosh. Omen, easy one. I knew it was not going to win. Another easy vote. <laughs> 
All right, and now we get back into the other part of the bracket where what do we have menu versus ghost ship menu versus ghost ship menu will definitely get my vote for this one though menu gets my vote as well gonna throw a vote for ghost ship oh wow (laughs) define the odds well well the ship is finally gonna is finally gonna sink here i'm gonna (laughs) probably for the best the end of the line for Ghost Ship. That here. made it really far. <laughs> a lot farther. Really far. <laughs> yeah. So we have our finals: the Omen versus the menu. In the menu. Mercy Warren versus Mercy Warren. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So either way, Mercy Warren is going to win. That's incredible. Good for you. The, the queen of horror. Apparently. I'm the queen of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> horror. And the Queen of Horror. That is okay, cool. apparently I can be both. Well, you did pick Nightmare Before Christmas last year, which won, and somehow... So, yeah, this is this is her niche, apparently. Well, you put, like, the scare... Did you put the nun on here, too? I, just no, the, I, I put the nun. I put the, the curse, you of, put the La curse of La Lorena or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was no scary. That's me. All right. Well, the, while the menu is fun and good, it can't hold up against the omen, which is menu spelled backwards. That's, made you all, that's Nemo spelled backwards. <laughs> oh, made you all think for a second, though. <laughs> the omen gets my vote. Um, the omen's going to get my vote as well, just because I think it's more of like a classic, like timeless, scarier movie. Tough one. Once you think about it. Um... I will throw... I'll make a suspense spell. Throw a vote for the menu. See what Mr. Lawson does. Uh, to me, The Omen is almost like a perfect horror movie, especially from that era. So I I had never seen it before, and I was just like blown away at how like good it, it was. It was... It had that perfect... It, it was like The Exorcist, but I, I actually like it better than The Exorcist. Yeah, uh, I agree. So well. Agreed. Omen, Omen is the winner. Plus, Cary Grant knew Audrey Hepburn. Yes. So, I think the right movie won. If I feel a little bit better about this win this year over Nightmare Before Christmas last year. I still see it. Yeah, I, I tried to stop it a couple of times. Yeah. Nothing will beat the win of Garfield's no, Christmas stuff. No, that's still the best. That's the, still the ultimate number one Christmas movie special. I want to hear the, what the VIP pick. I want to hear the, movie, the okay. choices. So, Mr. 1032, his bottom three picks were Heredity at number 14, The Nun at number 15, and Coraline at 16. His three, top three. At number three, he had Jeepers Creepers. Number two, The Menu. And number one, Midsummer. Oh wow! Yeah. So where did he have the, the Omen ranked? The Omen was number six. Oh, interesting. Yeah, right ahead of Megan and right below Swim Fan. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, ba- baby carrot, Mister Ten Thirty Two. I think we might disagree with you a little bit on that one. I think. Uh, where was Ghost Ship? Ghost Ship was number eight. <laughs> That's actually probably where it should be. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was. I, I, we, we crapped on that movie a bit, but it actually was. It's, it's a bad, good movie, you know. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right, so thank you all out there for being with us, and uh, hopefully nobody here can tell how much editing went into this episode. This is probably the most heavily edited episode <laughs> I've ever had to work on. <laughs> this is yeah, like if you didn't, t- if you can't tell, then I did my job right. I'm so. impressed by the menu, like. He, like he had it second, like 
that movie just came out and we're all like saying like that's a that's a, like, almost like a classic horror movie it coming. really what well, it was a good we liked it. it was smart it was a very smart movie so Different. yeah i think i think uh, like a lot of these it like for uh, horror movies in general if they're fun they did their job and these these movies all overall for the most part were really fun and even the bad ones you're like you can laugh at and go like okay you know it was still fun so and i'll claim my spot as the screen queen screen queen mercy warren it's late so i won't start the conversation of taylor swift and travis kelsey no, i feel like we could all put input into it but I it's think, late right now and we probably all want to go to bed yeah, we do i will honestly say that i have travis kelsey on my fantasy team though and she better not distract him and I love. So I love. Far, I mean, she's three for three, so yeah. she could keep going to the game. Exactly. I'm just hoping that he doesn't let this distract they've, him. Every time she's been there, they've won. Well, it's the Chiefs. I mean, it's like. Well, <laughs> it's like if she was on like the, if she was dating somebody from the Carolina Panthers. I don't think uh, <laughs> it's going quite as be well. more of a Cinderella story. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think we're all missing an important fact here, too, and that is in the league that we're all four of us are in, Scott Barnes is currently number one in the rankings. Just took it over. <laughs> we're in week, what, six? Yes, just so. dethroned Mrs. Lawson for the number one spot. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are you at, Mrs. Lawson, by the way? Say, speak, <laughs> speaking of horror movies, <laughs> someone could look at my team right now and they would they would think it's a horror movie. Yeah. Mine as well, just because all of my players keep on getting hurt. That's how the dice rolls. All right, well, thank you all. Oh, good. It's almost like Ghost Ship. Just, just, <laughs> you just so can't bad. stop watching. Full of maggots. And- yeah, full of maggots. <laughs> I am eighth place. All right. All right, well, thank you all so much for out there for being with us. We will wrap it up here. Uh, do we have a loss in scoop, or do you guys want to close this out? Let's shut it down. All right, guys. Well, you'll have a good night. Happy Halloween and Mercy Warren. Good night. Is that all you have to say? And there's 68 <laughs> days until Christmas. Every single time. you.